Recently, I got to speak at uh, VFC and uh, do a message on God's Word. What does God's Word say about itself? And we looked together at Psalm 19 and just thought through all those little phrases in Psalm 19. Uh, what does God's Word do? It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. And uh, it's just been fun for me to think about this is what the Word does. One of the things CJ said at his Cornerstone U when he came is that there really is no greater delight. There's no greater pleasure. There's no greater treasure than encountering God through His Word, uh, which has been just motivating for me in reading Scripture. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not studying Scripture academically. We're studying it to know God and to meet with Him and enjoy communion with Him. Well, one of the places I think that happens in the reading this week, of course, it happens in a thousand places, and when we do these videos, it's hard to pick what to talk about. But I was assigned this, so that actually helps. The most famous chapter in Ezekiel, chapter 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. And it's famous for a reason. Ezekiel is writing to Israel during the exile. They have rebelled against God, and the Lord has brought upon them the, the punishment that their sin deserved. They were taken out. They were removed out of the land. And what Ezekiel is doing, what God is doing through Ezekiel in this book, in his time of ministry, is vindicating the reputation of God's holiness. You see, God's people had rejected him, and so he sent them into exile. But what God was doing, what he was doing, what he was promising to do through Ezekiel uh, was that he was going to act. He wasn't just going to allow that to be the end. His covenant was at stake. His holiness was at stake. So he says, not for their sake, but for his sake, he was going to act in chapter 36. He makes it so clear. For the sake of his own name, he's going to restore his glory among his people by redeeming them and bringing them back. And he's going to do it in view of all the nations so that everyone would know he's the Lord. So he has Ezekiel go to this valley of dry bones and prophesy to them. And by the word of God, these bones come together. There's a rattling and these bones come together and flesh is formed and they become bodies. And then the Lord has Ezekiel prophesy again. And through God's spirit, the Lord gives life to these bodies and breath. And they lived and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. It's this beautiful picture. And the Lord explains it in verse 11. It's a metaphor for revival in Israel. They say our hope is lost. We are cut off. But the Lord says, exactly and now watch what I'm going to do. Bring you back. Put my spirit in you. Cause you to live for me. The point of the text is that God alone gives hope in the midst of hopelessness. You know, these are not potential warriors that are wandering around in this valley. And Ezekiel goes and encourages them to be the army of the Lord. No, they are dry bones. The text says they were very dry bones. It was a hopeless situation. And it's in the midst of that hopelessness, God brings a word of life. He will work. And so often, isn't that what the Lord does? You know, when our situations aren't completely hopeless, 
God's work is sometimes hard for us to discern. We need His help to have eyes that see His grace at work all around us. But when our situations are hopeless, when we feel completely lost, that's when God's work is so clear and obvious and our dependence upon Him is so pronounced. Also that we might know He's the Lord. You know, it might be hard for us to imagine the hopelessness of the exile. I'm sure it is. What it would have been like for Israel to be away from the promised land, not to be gathered as his people, to have lost their sense of national identity. Hard for us to understand that, but we definitely have, you I'm sure have situations in your life you feel are hopeless. Maybe the Lord would speak to you this week because the God who is so eager, who was so eager to be known by his people and all the nations, he's the same God who's at work in your life Today, he's proven his eagerness to be made much of in your life by sending his son to rescue you. Which ultimately, ultimately, that's what this whole text is pointing to. Newness of life ultimately found in Christ. Because of this, you are never without hope. You know, this, this is one of the few places in the Old Testament that refers to a resurrection one day. And we know Christ's resurrection changed everything. I once heard a biblical counselor, he was meeting with this married couple who was struggling in their marriage. They lacked hope for their marriage. Uh, they didn't think they were going to make it. And he was counseling them, and at one point he just said to them, now, do you believe in the resurrection? And they were both kind of, that's a strange question. Uh, and they thought about it, and, uh, and he said, do you really, do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe Jesus actually died? He was buried for three days. And then he rose again. He became alive again. Do you actually believe that literally happened? And they thought about it and said, yeah, we do. We really do. And then he looked at him and said, and you don't have hope for your marriage. God can do all things. You, Christian, are never without hope. Maybe that's the word. You're just never without hope, no matter what it seems like. You're never without hope. And in fact, in those seemingly hopeless situations, that's where the Lord loves to do a work. Tell me, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, oh, Lord, you know. So may God receive glory as he does miraculous things in your life through his word and his spirit this week.